We're normally preaching through a book of the Bible, and this month we're not doing that, and we won't actually again until January, but right now what we have been looking at this month is ways in which we connect to God and connect to one another. So our texts have all been focused around that, and with this being Thanksgiving week, it certainly made me realize that I wanted to be looking at a text that helps us understand how important it is to be thankful. Gratitude is a choice every single day of our life. And so what I am going to invite you is if you have your scriptures with you to turn to Psalm 9. We're going to be looking at the first three verses of Psalm 9. Otherwise, you can listen as I read the text. Or if you have your smartphone, you can certainly go to something like Bible Gateway where you can also look it up. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Psalm 9 is a song, and you'll look at the beginning of it, you'll say, depending on which translation you have, something like, according to Muth Laban, that is the Hebrew, it's translated sometimes into your Bibles, and people go, what, what does that mean? Well, that's talking about the tune. You see, Psalm 9 is a song. And so the psalmist, David, as he's writing this psalm, He's writing the words of a tune, or of a song, and the tune is lost, but at the time it wasn't lost, so he's telling people what the tune is. It would be sort of like saying, you know, we're, we're writing a, a poem, and it's going to be sung, and it's to the tune of give thanks that we just sang in worship. So the people would have known what that tune was when he wrote it, but we've lost the tune, and that's interesting, because we've lost the tune, but we have the words. And it makes us realize that a song, and we're going to talk about this, isn't anything without the words. We need the words. And we're going to be talking about that. So let's listen to the words of this song. And I'm not going to try to um, sing it for you because I don't know what the tune was. But I do challenge you that you can go home and you can make up your own tune to Psalm 9. And you can come back next week and you can say, Pastor Stan, I figured out the long lost tune to Psalm 9. You may be right, but you may be wrong. It's hard to say. So listen to Psalm 9, verses 1 through 3. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. Those are the words to a song that we don't know the tune to. But you know the words are so important in a song. It's really the words that make the song. As much as a tune can be catchy, once we start realizing the words, we start discovering that that's really the essence of what a song is. Did, now, I'm sure you've all seen Sound of Music. You know, I try to give you a contemporary illustration. I'm only about, what, 60 years behind here. But it's a, it's a movie that is one of my favorites. And there's this one point where... Marie is the, the nun who's now the housekeeper for the Van Trapp family, and she's teaching the children to sing, and they've never sung before. Do you remember the scene? And they're out, and they're, they're singing their first song, and she's singing them a, a song that's giving them the notes of the scale, and is do, re, mi. And all of a sudden, at one moment, Brigitte, the, one of the children, speaks up and says, but it doesn't mean anything. See, that's the problem with a tune without a song. It doesn't mean anything until we get the lyrics in it. And, of course, then Marie teaches them the words to the, 
the song, and then from that point on, you see the children singing, and it becomes so much a part of the Von Trapp family, and of course, it's part of their real-life story. Well, the reason I say it is because I'm not going to suggest this morning that your life is a tune, but I am going to suggest that your life is a song. Hear the difference? It's not just a tune without the words. It's a song. And to be a song, that means it has lyrics to it. And what those lyrics are is going to make all the difference, because that's what means something. So let's think about our life. If your life is a song, Pastor Stan's telling you, you have this life song, what are the words to that song? How do you present yourself every day? What's your choice of what you think about when you get up in the morning? How do you come across to other people? If others were naming your tune, you know, name the song of Pastor Stan, how would you name it? Or how would you name the song of your spouse or your children, your best friend? But more importantly, how would others name your song? What are the lyrics to it? Because here's the key that I hear from Psalm 9. We get to make that choice ourselves. It doesn't get assigned to it. It's not like all of a sudden we are created in this world and God assigns a song to us. We get to choose the words to the song that we sing every single day. And if we think about it, as we go through life, how are people encountering us? Are they encountering us with a song like, I will go back to the time when I'm familiar with music. I tried to think, think of something in the last... 40 years and I couldn't come up with a song because I don't know really any modern music. But the old George Jones song, He Stopped Loving Her Today, the song where a guy had lost his girlfriend and now it's 20, 30 years later and his life is still completely dictated around the fact that all he was was obsessed over a lost relationship. Of course, then he made it a little bit more poignant when he sang the words, If drinking don't kill me, her memory will. Is that how we go through life? A negative, depressed song talking about the sorrow and the pain and the hurt in our life. And it's not about denying pain. We can have pain. We have things that have gone wrong in our life. We have things that are disappointments in our life. But what's the song we sing? What are the lyrics to what people hear about us? The psalmist reminds us, and I'm going to put this personal for each one of us, that if we get to make that choice, I will choose to make my life song a song of thanksgiving. I'm going to make that choice for myself. And I put it that way for each of us because we should all be able to say that. I will make my life song a song of thanksgiving. It's how I will choose to live every single day, to look at the things that I'm thankful for, the things that God has done, the things that are good, and I'm going to give thanks for it, not just on Thanksgiving Day when I gather around with my family and I say, well, I'm more thankful than others because look at the problems others have. Sometimes we do that. No, that's not the point. I'm going to choose to be thankful and see the thanksgiving in my life. The psalmist says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. David is saying, I get to choose what I look at and what gets to define me. I think of the story where Jesus has the lepers who come and he heals the lepers and they all leave and only one comes back to give thanks. And he comments on how many he healed that day and he said, but only one came back to give thanks. Only one had thanksgiving define his life. You see, thanksgiving is independent of our circumstances. 
Do you hear that loud and clear? We can go through tough things in life and we can still choose to be thankful. We will go through tough things. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this before, but there's a thing called sin in this world and there's something called the fall that happened. And as Christians, we understand that there's sin and there's pain and there's injustice and it is unfortunate and it's bad and we work to overcome it. We work to combat it. We work to combat racism. We com work to combat sexism. We work to combat all of the negative things in our life and in our world. But at the same time, we accept the fact that it's not going to change. It's not going to just magically go away so that our life can be good. There's classism talked about refugees and prayer. There are refugees in this world. There's awful things. And yet in the midst of all of it, as I work for the things that I need to work for and the things I work on in my own life, I also get to choose to be thankful. It's a choice that we have every single day. The psalmist doesn't just say that I'll choose to make my life song a song of thanksgiving. He goes on and says, with my whole heart. With every bit of me, I'm not going to do it 99%. I'm not going to be 99% thankful. The psalmist is saying, I'm going to allow my entire being to be thankful to God. It's the same word that's used in Deuteronomy 6.5, where we're told, how do you love the Lord your God? With all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, every part of us. We will choose every day to be thankful. When people face difficult times, and they do, and they come to me, unless it's something that's just horrific and they're not prepared for this question, but in most things that happen, I will ask people as their pastor, what's great about this? And they usually jolt someone. And they'll stop and they'll say, no, it's a bad thing. I go, I know it's a bad thing, but what's great about it? What do you mean what's great about it? Well, the Bible teaches that even in the worst circumstances, Romans 8, we read that God brings about good. What's great about it? What's good that happens with it? What are the things that we can learn? What are the things that can make us more sensitive? I've talked about my parents with my dad's Alzheimer's. What was great about it? Well, that I learned to be more sensitive towards people who had Alzheimer's. And I learned to be able to identify with people who are going through things. That my parents had already had a conversation with me about that life could be painful and they were okay with that because they were people of faith and they knew that no matter what they faced, that God was going to be with them. And amazing, in the midst of really tough things, we can choose to find the thing that's good, the thing to be thankful for. It comes out of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. It's the first time we read this concept where Joseph and his brothers have a problem that they're all jealous of him, and so finally one day they sell him to the Egyptians. Think of that, 11 brothers hate their brothers so much. Now, I know that there have been family feuds in this world, but I think Joseph and his brothers probably take the cake for really not getting along with each other because they literally sell him to the enemy. And Joseph's life is difficult. His father struggles when he doesn't know what's happened to his son. The brothers feel guilt over their decision and their act, but now there's nothing they can do, and a long time passes. And so finally, Joseph has worked his way up in the Egyptian empire, so he's the second most powerful person. And now a famine hits the land, and the brothers end up coming before Joseph. And all of a sudden, they realize who he is, because now, rather than living in Israel, now they're in Egypt, and they're standing before the very person that they sold into slavery, and they are convinced that their brother is going to get even. But their brother has an attitude of thanksgiving. And he looks at them, and he said, You intended this for evil. You did a horrible, awful thing to me. You intended this to be the worst thing that you could have done to your brother, 
But God is sovereign and God is good. And God even took that horrible, bad thing and look at the good he brought out of it. God has used it to save many lives. And now he's the person who rations out the food and is able to even provide food for his brothers. You see, no matter what we face, the Bible teaches us, we get to look for the thing to be thankful for. We get to make that choice ourselves. As we entered into the pandemic, Pastor David gave a sermon, and I will never forget how he presented it. And he said, 10 years from now, now please remember, when we entered into this pandemic, none of us thought it was going to last this long. We were all convinced this was just going to be a short thing. And it's certainly gone on a lot longer than most people expected. He said, 10 years from now, there's going to be a kid who's going to go to college. He's probably going to be 18 years old. And the parents are going to be asked the question, do you remember 2020? And the parents are going to say, that was the worst year, year of my life. That was awful. It was a complete shutdown. I had to start working at home. So many things that I used to do, I didn't get to do. They made me put on a mask. It was difficult and painful. And the kid's going to be at college. And the teacher's going to say, welcome to college. And I'd like to all ask you a question. Would any of you like to recall the year 2020 and tell us what you remember? And a girl's going to raise her hand. She's going to go, that's the best year of my life. And it's going to be the daughter of that same parent. And she's just going to say, why is that the best year of your life? And she's going to say, because my parents were never around. They worked far too much. And they were really never attentive. But that year, they were with me all the time. And I have so many wonderful memories of that year of being together, of enjoying family time, enjoying things I could never have any other time. The perspective makes all the difference. Do we choose to see everything as a negative or do we choose to see the positive and the good? The psalmist tells us to choose to be thankful, to look for in the midst of our life, no matter what we're facing, to make our life song begin with thanksgiving, to know that God is good and God is sovereign and God is in control. And yes, there's pain and yes, there's awful things that happen. But folks, we get to make that choice. This last week was a tough week in our family. And I know that people face really awful things. And I know that sometimes when we face things that are tough, that we can almost sit back and say, well, it's not as bad as someone else, but it doesn't matter because the stuff that we face is our stuff. We have a dog that we adored, absolutely loved. And she's had cancer, and we had to put her down this week, and she's 11 years old. And it's hard. And I don't know if you know that much about Regina and myself, but we've shed a lot of tears over putting that dog down. It was hard. But at the same time, we get to choose to be thankful. We get to choose to think of what an awesome dog she was. We get to think about how that dog was so much better with our special needs niece than any other animal we've ever seen, and we get to laugh and think about that. We get to realize that as hard as it is to admit, we'll have a new puppy in our home and a new animal. And we wouldn't have had it if that dog hadn't passed away. So as much as that's painful and awful and difficult, we get to choose what to be thankful for. It's our choice in every single day with our life. I will choose to make my life song a song of thanksgiving. And then the psalmist says, I'll choose to make my life song a song of joy. A song of joy. 
Joy is not what we get because circumstances go well. Joy is not what we get because we get a promotion or because all of a sudden someone's handed us a million dollars and we're like, wow, this is great. My life is better. No, joy is something like Thanksgiving that we get to choose. Verse 2, the psalmist says, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The word exult literally means to choose joy. I choose to be joyous in God. I choose to realize that I'm a child of my heavenly Father who loves me immensely. And no matter what I face, I can always pray to God. He's always with me. The Holy Spirit's living in my heart. I'm forgiven for the stuff that I've done wrong, so I don't have to sit around and ruminate on the negatives of my life. Again, King David reminds us, that's a choice. You get to choose your joy in life. You and I get to choose what defines us. The word for exalt is the word, the Hebrew word shema, which means a feast. I get to choose every day to have a feast, a banquet, a celebration, the psalmist is telling us. Think of how much work it takes to put on a celebration. It doesn't just happen naturally. Now, let's be honest. How many of us are going to celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday? You're just going to wake up in the morning and it's just going to be there? No, there's preparation. There's thought that goes into it. There's a turkey to be bought. There's stuffing to be made. There's desserts to be prepared. Because a celebration and a feast takes work. So too does joy. It takes work. I have to think about it. I have to make myself say, wait a second, why am I being negative? The psalmist tells me to take joy and to choose to let joy be part of my life song. And then he reminds us that it's not that I'm just joyous because I'm in denial, but my joy comes because of God's name. I'm a child of the king. I'm the one who serves the, the God who created it all, the God of this universe. In the ancient world, being able to call on the name of the king made all the difference. And if you really had power, you were a person who the king would literally give you his signet ring. You could take the ring and you could put the stamp of the king because you had his name. It's why in the Bible it tells us that God speaks and things come into existence because God's name is so important and God's word is so powerful. And so now in our life, what we get to do is we get to pray and call on God's name. When I lived in Rhode Island, there was a gas station that was right down the road from us and the gas was really expensive there and I could never figure it out. That's a dollar a gallon more than anywhere else. It used to frustrate me because I had to drive extra distance to get gas. I would never fill up there. One day my tank was almost empty and I was coming off 295 and I realized I need to get gas and I pulled in and stopped at the gas station and the guy came out and was attending to me and I said, are you the owner? And he said, yeah, I am. I said, can I ask you a question? Why do you charge so much for your gas? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, I'm right down from Bryant College. I'm the only gas station in the area. Kids at Bryant College, your dad gives them their credit card. They don't really have to think about what they pay for gas. Wow, the power of having a father who has an unlimited bank account. Kids didn't worry about the price of the gas. They didn't worry about what was unfair. They didn't worry about any of that. Now, hopefully they learned to. 
But our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible tells us. Do you hear who you serve? Do you hear whose name you call on? The God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I'm going to worry about the small stuff. I sweat all this small stuff every single day. Like the day that I was worried about the church, and a woman turned to me and said, whose church is it? Said, what do you mean? She said, whose church is this? She said, it's God's church. You don't have to worry about it. It's God's business, not yours. Whose life is it? It's God's life. You and I get to choose joy because we have God's name. We can call on God no matter what. Fifty-six times the Bible tells us to call in the name of the Lord. Call on God's name. If I'm not accessing God's name, and I'm not saying, Heavenly Father, Lord God of the universe, God who created it all, help me through this situation, then I'm taking it all on myself, and I'm trying to be responsible for it for myself, and no matter that my life song starts being pretty negative, because I'm pretty limited on what I can do, and I can't take it all on, because it's all too much for me, and it's all too much for you, and it's all too much for our families, and it's all too much for our country but it's not too much for God. So we choose our joy. We choose to have our joy in God's name, and no matter what we face, no matter how good or how bad or how indifferent it is, we choose to keep God in the midst of it and say, God, I'm calling on you here because leave it to myself. It's not going to go well. But when I put God in the center of all that I do, do you hear me? When God is the center of all that I do, I can be joyful. I'm never alone. Amen? When God is in the center of all that I do, I can be joyful. Amen? That's how we choose to live. That's what the psalmist tells us. That can be your life song. A song of thanksgiving and a song of joy. Notice what the psalmist doesn't say. You get to choose a life song where you get to choose your experiences or the things that happen to you or people, places, and things. I don't get to choose those. Some of those things are just going to happen whether I like them or not. But then the psalmist says, I will also choose to make my life song a song of victory. Because in the end, I know that God is sovereign and God wins. And no matter what there is that's wrong and evil and bad in this world, I believe that the scripture teaches me that good always overcomes. So I face a pandemic, and it's not that I'm a denier. I don't go through life and say, oh, I don't believe in, in COVID-19. Of course I do. I wear a mask. I do all the social distancing. If I was a COVID-19 denier, my son Todd, who lives out in Ohio, would have been here a hundred times, and we would have been visiting back and forth. I haven't seen him since last November because of the restrictions that are put on us with the travel. So I'm well aware of that. But I also choose to know that it's going to end, and it's going to be good, and we're going to get through it, and a vaccine is coming. And it's not that we trust in a vaccine, but we trust in the God who gave us the wisdom to figure out a vaccine. And it's not that the, the treatment is better because we're smart, but I trust in a God who gives us victory and is improving the treatment, and I'm going to choose to have joy and believe that God is a God of victory. And no matter what we face in this world and no matter what happens, I know that God in good always overcomes because the Scripture tells me it, and as John Wesley said, you can bear it out in human experience. So in the midst of World War II, when Dwight Eisenhower had to send in troops to the beaches of Normandy 
and knew that there would be a day of tragic loss of many young men's lives. He also knew that the Allies were going to win. Do we face life like that? We're told to in the Scripture. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before your presence, the psalmist says in verse 3. I fear, however, we don't sing a song of victory. Many Christians are singing a funeral dirge instead of a song of victory. And yet the psalmist still says, My enemies stumble and perish before God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe it? I still am not hearing it. Do you believe that? We're going to go until we get a yes nice and loud. Do you believe that? My enemies perish before my God. The scripture tells me and history bears it out. No matter what we face, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how painful it is, then people thought, well, wait a second, Pastor Sin. Your father died of Alzheimer's. Yeah, but I get to see him again and spend eternity with him. Your brother had cancer. Absolutely, and he was an awesome Christian man. And I'm thankful that he was my older brother. And I'm sad that I lost him and he died too early. But 45 billion years from now, when we're talking about it, we're still going to have a cup of coffee and laugh in heaven. Amen? That's who we are as Christians. We face life with a song of victory. Name our enemies. There's a pandemic. There's fear. There's financial insecurity. There's disappointment. There's human loss. There's loss in relationships. There are so many things that are enemies to those who serve God and trust God. And the scripture tells us, I'm still going to sing a song of victory because when my enemies turn back, they will stumble and perish before God's presence. Got me thinking about when I was a kid and I used to watch Saturday morning TV. And one of my favorite shows had a game called Buck Buck. Do any of you remember Buck Buck? It was a cartoon. Buck Buck was a game that we decided we were going to try to play in Weinberg, North Dakota. We never should have. Don't take your cues, kids. And what's on television, especially if it's a cartoon. Because the way you played buck buck is you grabbed onto a pole, and one person held on to the pole, and the next person held on to that person. You'd make a line back like this, and then the other team would jump on your back, and you'd try to see how many people you could hold up, and it was called buck buck. Stupid game. We played it one time and thought, this is not any good. But it made for a great cartoon. And the team that was represented in the cartoon had a guy named Fat Albert on their team. And they said, we never have to work cause worry because we got Fat Albert and we're always going to win. And so if the other team could put three people on your back, the second person that came out from this team was Fat Albert, this great big huge guy that the entire city rumbled when he ran along. You knew you were always going to win, Buck Buck. Well, the scripture says we've got better than Fat Albert. we got the Lord God Almighty. We have got the God of this universe who loves us, who cares about us, who designed your life, who created you, who even the hairs on your head is numbered, and that's easier for me than it is for you because you got more hairs than me. But that's the God that we serve. And so how do we choose to live our life? We choose to live our life the way the psalmist tells us, with a song of thanksgiving, with a song of joy, and a song of victory. How do we get connected to God and one another? Sing that song. Sing that song every single day in your life. 
And we get amazed at how God is working and how he's present. The psalmist is clear. We get to make that choice. That's our choice. Because there's far too many Christians who go through life and understand that we've got fire insurance, which means our sins have been forgiven, so I don't have to worry about the future. But the Christian faith is so much more than that. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us, to transform our lives into the people that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this week of Thanksgiving, help us not let Thanksgiving just be a one-time day that we think about how we're better off maybe than someone else, but rather let it be the defining moment of how we choose to live our lives. Help us understand that our life is a song. It's being sung every single moment as we wake up in the morning, as we encounter others, as we talk to our neighbors, as we take a walk around the neighborhood. And help us learn what David learned, a man after your own heart, to sing our song, a thong of thanksgiving and joy and victory. And when we trust in you, help us understand that we will never be disappointed because you love us and you care about us. And it does not diminish the things that are difficult that we face. It allows us to face the things that we are difficult with a confidence and a boldness, knowing that you go before us and you are in every one of our actions. We thank you for your love and for your grace and for your goodness and for each who have gathered here and others who have gathered at home and those who will be watching during this week to hear what you have to say to us through not my words, but through your scriptures. And we pray your blessing on each one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>